19 days to go. And you're going to hear a lot of noise out of Iowa. There's a, a big debate next week on the Republican side. Donald Trump won't be debating uh, what's going to happen in Iowa. The caucus, it's a different process than our actual primary vote. New Hampshire, Tuesday, January 23rd, 19 days from today. Michael Dennehy, one of the great ones, political analyst and all-star, Dennehy Belay Group. But he's managed a couple of these winning New Hampshire presidential primaries for the late John McCain. Michael, good morning. Good morning. I'm starting a Jack Heath draft, Jack Heath campaign. I haven't decided what office for, but <laughs> it needs to be done. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Trust me, buddy. Trust me. That's the last thing I or you, we need. Michael, what is this feeling like to you? And, yeah. and I, and I want to jump because I thought you could reflect a little bit on actual history on how New Hampshire kind of does its own thing here. But there were some John McCain primaries mm. where 19 or 20 days to go. And I remember the bus pulling into Bedford, New Hampshire once where we used to live and uh, my smarter, prettier, better half you know, wanted to go out and see this because she liked John McCain. Her dad was a, had passed as a veteran and she, you know, his, his uh, veteran status. But the point is there was something happening with McCain and the events when he pulled into a town hall. There was some energy going on. You were there, and a lot of people didn't think he was going to win a primary. What's going on in this primary? Is it Donald Trump's yeah. to lose, or is Nikki Haley got something really going on? Or are we missing something here? Is Christie or DeSantis or Ramaswamy going to do better than we think? What's going on, Michael? Yeah, good question, Jack. I'll first, I believe there's two things going on, and you hit both of them. It's Donald Trump's to lose, and Nikki Haley has something going on. Both of those can happen at the same time. Let me give you some important statistics. Uh, not this is this, These are facts. The last three polls in New Hampshire have been pretty different. You have a CBS poll that had Trump 44, Haley 29. You had the St. A's poll that had Trump 44, Haley 30. And you had the UMass Lowell poll, which had Trump at 52 and Haley only at 22. Here's the important thing, super important thing to remember. In all of those polls, among Republican voters, and everyone has to remember, this is a Republican primary. It's not a Republican and independent slash undeclared primary. Uh, and I'll explain that in a second. But among Republican voters, Trump is well over 50 in every single one of those polls. In the St. A's poll, Trump is leading Haley 56 to 22. That's 34 points among Republican voters. Now, they're tied among them, the claims. Well, in, in the St. A's, 32-37. In the CBS poll, Trump is up 41-34. So Haley is doing very well with independents. In, in, in most cases, she's tied, if not slightly, down to Trump among undeclared voters. But Trump is way ahead with Republicans. That's important to note because, and I said this when I did your show a couple weeks ago, of the, the 10 following contests after New Hampshire are closed contests. Only Republicans can vote. It's very different from New Hampshire. So this is Haley's date to try and shake things up. But whether she can shake things up after, after New Hampshire remains a big question. Independence can't vote. And, and the other thing here in New Hampshire, Michael Dennehy, is it is hard in a primary, a Republican primary, maybe Democrat primary, but a primary, not a general election, in general, to get independents and undeclares to vote and take part. They usually wait for the general election. They're not as active. And when I say active, 
They're not as into politics like the political activists, right. like the far left or the far right. So, but in a primary like this, mm-hmm. where it's not like you're not electing a uh, a school board member in Bedford, this is a national focus. There's a lot of attention on it. People are seeing the ads. Does it raise the participation of independents and undeclared voters in a presidential primary? And is that going to be the potential area for surprise for, for example, Donald Trump? Or does Donald Trump have this thing locked up and he's already won it? Yes, it, it, it absolutely will increase the partition participation among undeclared voters in New Hampshire. The question is, as these three polls I just mentioned, uh, the, the question is, how much will it increase? St. A's is saying it's going to be increased so much that 50% of the final vote will be undeclared voters. I don't believe that's the case. I believe that's too much, and it'll be closer to UMass Lowell, which is about 40%, and traditionally it's around 40%. But, but you, no one knows for sure. If, if Haley and clearly Sununu's connection is with undeclared voters, if they can work to, to increase the partition, participation among undeclared voters, then she could surprise on, on uh, primary day, and she could super hard to beat him, given her how far down she is with Republicans. And by the way, I should also mention, Jack, her image, listen to this image among Republican voters. Trump is at 77.23. That's a plus right. 55. Haley is only up 57 to 38. St. A's, this is the St. A's poll. 19 points positive with Republicans. Mm. Republicans are starting to not like her. Let me ask. So uh, it's all up to the undeclareds for Nikki Haley. Another question. The what's happening like in the state of Maine. I don't want to get into I don't want to dissect this into the minute, you know, micro detail. I personally think the secretary of state of Maine is a political activist. I think she overstretched the interpretation. Trump hasn't been convicted of anything. I think in her mind, she made a decision using her office to punish Trump because she hates him, doesn't want him on the ballot. I think it's that simple. I don't think she does the state of Maine any favors, by the way, on their election integrity to kick a former president off the ballot who hasn't been convicted of anything. But anyway, so it's a stretch, just like the New York Attorney General. When those things happen, like Trump's being kicked off the ballot in Maine, that energizes his base. But does it pull undeclared and independents who might not have been voting for Trump to say, I'm going to vote for this guy because I'm going to send a message that the, these people that politicize their agenda in offices or justice areas that shouldn't do it, I'm going to send a message. Or does it just energize his base? It, it energizes his base to an extreme, first of all. So that is tremendously advantageous to Trump. It does also help with independent voters because every candidate for president on the Republican side is talking about how, uh, uh, how it's wrong and how uh, the, the, uh, the Democrats are using the court system to try and bounce a candidate for president off the ballot. So that, it, that uh, also helps Trump. Now, not as much as on the Republican side, but it does give some people independence a new look at things because they are so outraged by what's happening. Interesting. Interesting. I want to come back to, um, if you, you've been in the car, you've been in the van, you know, these national local, you were managing the McCain effort. He won not one, not once, but twice here. So let me ask you this, Michael Dennehy right now we have 19 days to go. 
it certainly feels to me, just to me, that Nikki Haley has the new customers coming energy. When she has these town halls, there's more people showing up that weren't necessarily with her before. They might be curious, but she's sort of the hot ticket in town, if you will. Yes. Not maybe DeSantis is focusing on Iowa. Chris Christie's been having events here, not as much in Iowa. Donald Trump does his rallies, but he's not here as much, if you will. Or he doesn't come for three or four days. He flies in, he flies out. Right. My question is, my question is, um, when you look at 19 days to go, uh, and, and, and Nikki Haley with real energy and, and, and momentum, the, if you were on the Trump side, here's my question for you, Mr. Denny. If you were in the yep. Trump vehicle, the Trump office, the Trump camp, would you be saying, okay, Nikki Haley is definitely got momentum. She's closing in, but she doesn't have enough time to close in and get the win. Like an NFL score, if Trump's ahead, you know, 32 and Haley's at 18 or 20, but she's got the ball and and is going to score a few more times. Is it not enough? Or do you advise, do you think Trump will come back and hit Nikki Haley in the next 19 days really hard here because he's threatened? Do you ignore Nikki Haley or do you hit? I think... I think he is hitting her right now uh, heavily, and it's having an impact, which is why Nikki Haley is now saying Trump is lying. I think that gas tax ad is hurting her badly, especially among Republicans. That being said, I still think it would be smart for Trump to make one more visit into New Hampshire, and I expect he will. You know, his, the M.O. for Trump now has been to, to not participate in the debate but have a rally at the same time. So I expect he will be here in New Hampshire one more time. Uh, and I expect that tax issue is something that Nikki Haley has to figure out how to handle and defend better than she's been doing. Simply saying that Trump is lying is not going to help her, given that Republican voters so wildly approve right. of Donald Trump. Here's a prediction for you, Michael Denny, just a feeling for the Michael Grahams out there and others in the media, my prediction without knowing, without knowing is you're going to see Trump here not once but two more times. Mm. His classic close will be a rally at the Southern New Hampshire University Arena in Manchester probably, you know, Monday night before the primary, my guess. Um, he'll probably pop in one more time for a rally in and around, you know, who knows where. It could be the Seacoast, could be Manchester. But I think he'll come at least one more time. And I think the closer for the Trump campaign might be Christy Nome out of South Dakota coming in uh, in the last few weeks, kind of like the relief pitcher. The problem yeah. is the problem is they hit Nikki Haley more. There are those who are showing up at events saying they're only hitting her because she's a threat. So it kind yeah. of is a double-edged sword. It could help her a little bit. Why are they going after her and no one else? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, but I, I think it's now natural given that she is the only candidate moving. I think everyone understands that. Uh, and so... It's natural for them to contrast with each other. It, it, it just that's what happens in these campaigns at the end. So right. Good stuff. Uh, the question is how well are the contrasts uh, uh, made. All right, Michael, thank you. Michael Dennehy, always, thank you. Always a pleasure, Jack. Good morning, Hampshire Pulse. Come back, Aaron Real, MBC News Radio National Correspondent. How far can you stretch your retirement dollars and in what states? And Brad Card, one of our main political analysts and all-stars on deck, talking more of the same that I just was with Dennehy. About 19 days to go before New Hampshire votes first. Aaron Real, MBC News Radio National Correspondent. What states can your retirement dollars be stretched the most in? Good morning, Aaron. Good morning to you. Short answer, Mississippi. But 
you have to retire to Mississippi. So that's not picking on Mississippi, but the fact of the matter is there is a new survey out, or at least look at the data, deep dive into it, from GoBankingRates.com. And what it found was where a million dollars, which is what most people say they want to set aside for retirement, will go the furthest. Let's just use New Hampshire as an example. You will get 16 years, 8 months, and 18 days on a million bucks. That's if you have an annual expenditure of $59,000. Groceries are in there at $4,700. Healthcare costs at $9,000. Very expensive, actually, relative to a lot of other states. For oh, yeah. New costs. Hampshire and New England is some of the most expensive states to live in in the country. Yes. Yes. And if you look at the list for how like the shortest your money will last you, Hawaii is the shortest, only 10 years, a million bucks, Massachusetts and 12, California and New York, followed by Alaska, surprisingly, at 15. But New Hampshire is up there as well. So it, it certainly won't go as long. Um, and a lot of that does have to do with the health care costs and utility costs as well and right. then transportation. So. Um, this is an interesting one. I say this all the time, Jack, because we do these a lot. Where's mm-hmm. the best place to retire? These are, it's nice to kind of get a sense of the, but the reality is the best place to retire is where you are happiest and can afford. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is different and needs are different. Right. Some people, you know, $9,000 in healthcare is not nearly enough for what they need. And for other people, it's way too much. Right. Some people can live on a million bucks over 25 years. Other people can't even begin right. to live on half a year on that. So it, again, it's your your needs, and then it's based on that, and that's how everyone should. And should good luck getting a home on the seacoast of New Hampshire for under a million bucks. It's like impossible right now. All right, yeah. thank you, Aaron. Aaron, we obviously news radio national correspondent. All right, Brad Card, one of our political analysts and all stars. Brad, I'm sorry. I know you're prepping for the Penguins Bruins game tonight. I'm sorry, delayed. We were backed up a little bit this morning. Good morning, New Hampshire. One of our political analysts and all stars. Brad, is he is each major election will be up here in the morning. Uh, 19 days from today, his alma mater. I'm sure we'll hear about that all day long. Good morning, New Hampshire. The pulse of a nation, the West Wing at St. Anselm. And then that evening as the votes come in. Good uh, good morning, Brad. Hey, Jack. We'll go Hawks. <laughs> I, I want to come back to the primary 19 days to go. But, Brad, just real quickly, we had John Decker on earlier on White House Correspondent talking about how the border, the southern border is becoming, obviously it's not new. It's a political hot potato. The Biden administration will give excuses the governor of Texas trying to do all he can. But why is it every time Texas tries to do something to stop the illegal flow, more than 300,000 illegal migrants we had encounters with in December alone at the southern border? Why is it that the Biden Department of Justice sues Texas every time they try and do something proactively? Jack, I'm scratching my head. I think that the, the Biden administration is completely political tone deaf. Just when it comes to the border, especially, I mean, the border is a source of frustration for Democrat mayors around the United States, and they have privately passed along their concerns to the administration. Nothing has been done on it. Now they're publicly voicing their outrage about the lack of control at the southwest border. And, and, And this is something that is really resonating with voters. And the Biden administration has a major, major political issue with the way that they're handling it. And, and I will tell you, I spoke to a very senior Democrat in the administration um, who said to me, I don't get it. We are just completely we, dropping the ball to South You know what it does, Brad? It's it, a disaster. It, it fuels kind of the sort of the more right side of the aisle. Um, statements that, well, they, the Democrats want people to come in here illegally and then vote their way in major cities. That's why they want all these people. You know, you've heard that, right? 
Yeah, well, well look, Mike Johnson's been on the Southwest, was on the Southwest border yesterday and and at Eagle Pass and said, came with a whole bunch of members of Congress, Republican members of Congress, and said, look, this isn't about money. We want policy changes. We want to work with the administration and get some policy changes. And the administration really is not, it, it's, it's a real head scratcher for me, Jack. I can tell you, I don't believe. I, I can't. I, I can't believe that they have just dropped the ball so badly. Yeah. Now I think it's ridiculous that Republicans are trying to, you know, impeach Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, because quite frankly, Mayorkas is taking his marching orders from the president. So I think that's just crazy. But the reality is that the issue, as a political issue, heading into a presidential election, is not working for the right. administration. And you would think that they would have political people around them talking about it. Brad, also unrelated, there's a situation of Perry, Iowa, a school shooting. We'll have more on that as it becomes available. Oh, you're here. Yeah, and look to top. see how that's going to impact those town hall meetings out there. Well, with, I was going to say, yeah, you're right. You're right on the you're right on the eve and doorstep of the of the Iowa caucus caucus process ahead of another debate. You're right in Iowa. And Brad, we'll come back. ABC will have the top the latest on that top of the news. Let's talk about New Hampshire. Nineteen days to go, and the question that I'm I'm repeatedly asking people like yourself and some of our Neil Levesque, who you know from St. Anselm's, is this. Are independents, undeclared independents, going to take part in what is largely a Republican presidential primary or not? That's really the question to determine if this is going to be a close race in the end between Donald Trump, who's had the big poll lead here, and presumably Nikki Haley, who's surging. The question is, will independents in a bigger number than the polls are suggesting show up and vote and will that skew these national polls that show that Trump is going to win this thing, not only Iowa and New Hampshire? What do you think? Well, I, I, I think that independents should be pulling a Republican ballot. And the reason why they should is because the National Democrat Party has abandoned New Hampshire. And, and, and they ought to send a strong message that this is just unacceptable. Uh, President Biden not participating in New Hampshire, not wanting to play as a writing candidate, which I don't think is going to go well for the president. Look at there is a, a, there is a, a first in the nation history in New Hampshire where little known candidates can put together a real formidable campaign and become national candidates. Um, we saw it certainly happen with Bill Clinton. So uh, what I think you need to see is movement by candidates to attract some of those independent voters. Donald Trump is not going to attack, attract the independent voter. But Nikki Haley, I think Chris Christie has to a, to a significant degree. But it, it's, it's going to have to be probably Nikki Haley that pulls those independents into the process. And then we'll see if Chris Christie gets out. It doesn't appear that he's going to get out. I guess he's not going to get out uh, from what I'm hearing. But Nikki Haley is the candidate that is moving. She is the one Republican that is actually surging. And the question is, to what degree is well, she going to surge? What do you think? Surge? What do you think, Brad? Well, if you had to say 19 days, do you think Nikki Haley, do you think there's going to be a single-digit difference here? Or does Trump win this thing double digits? Well, first of all, it, we'll see how well she does in Iowa. If she if she overperforms a little bit in Iowa, I think that will help her in New Hampshire. But really, does whatever um, happened in Iowa really play at all here? But not not a lot, but it, it could a little bit in the margins, and it could actually with some independents. I think if they if they look at it and they say, well, I'm I'm a little bit concerned by the by the level that Trump maybe Trump looks like he's going to run away with Iowa, 
So there may be some independents that don't want Donald Trump, quite right. frankly, that are frustrated with Donald Trump that actually see Nikki Haley what? as that alternative. Because DeSantis' campaign is going nowhere right now. Well, it's and he's focusing actually losing Iowa. traction. Do you th- what are yeah. the chances you would place, Brad Card, that Nikki Haley pulls off an upset in New Hampshire with Donald Trump? I mean, scale of 1 to 100. What's the percentage? Well, I, I think they're long odds. I think they're below 50 that she's going to win New Hampshire, but I think that she really needs to win New Hampshire. I think she's got to way overperform than than she uh, is projected to do. Uh, I think she is somebody that can do that. With Governor Sununu's support, I think that's huge for her and, and, and very helpful. He's obviously uh, been a successful right. governor, but he's got a very good political mind as well. Uh, and he comes from a long lineage of uh, of political minds in the Sununu family, and I'm sure that they're all playing. So I, I think Nikki Haley has to really step up, and I think she has to win New Hampshire, which is a, a tall order. Uh, Donald Trump's got some real legal problems. I mean, the New York Times is just reporting that his businesses profited, you know, seven hundred seven million dollars plus while he was president, which is kind of the argument that they're making with Biden. I think there's a whole lot of things where Donald Trump is going to be vulnerable. I think Nikki Haley has to start putting, pointing these things out. Nikki Haley has to, right. to show why Donald Trump is, is not the candidate that should go there, other than saying he was right at the wrong time, uh, at, at the right time, and now right. he's, his days have passed. I think that Donald Trump has massive legal problems. They are not all made up. They are real. And, and I think that there is some real damage coming Donald Trump's way from those trials. And the question is, we'll is Nikki see. Haley even going to be in a position to right. capitalize well, on Well, so far, every charge they throw against him, it just helps him with his base, it seems. All right, Brad Card, I appreciate it. Go Bruins tonight, Penguins. Go Thanks, Bruins. Brad. I always like to get a Democrat point of view from one of the leading strategists and political advisors on the Democrat side of the aisle right here at home. I'm also an avid football fan. Lucas Meyer, straight to the dome. dome. Good morning, Mr. Lucas. Good morning, Jack. Where do we begin? 19 days from now, we have this primary here. Lucas, I have to get you going out of the gate. It's like when you played football. I'm going to I'm gonna pop you when I come across when I'm going out for a pass and hope the ref doesn't see me. <laughs> so are you ready for this well, one? Hold on. Okay. I sense a lot of energy and excitement over Joe Biden being the nominee for Democrats here in New Hampshire with these lawn signs right Joe Biden in. Write him in. A lot of excitement there, Lucas. Well, I mean, it is surreal, to be honest, that we're in 2024, which means, you know, we're talking like a, a, a sluggo route, play and go. We're, we're heading downfield fast in 24. And uh, you're right. I mean, this, especially with the Iowa caucuses coming up and then the Republican primary and the write-in effort up here for President Biden, you know, a lot of things are going to change, certainly in the Republican field between now and the in the first in the nation, um, I think Iowa is going to have a massive impact on that um, on that primary. I still had my money on DeSantis uh, overperforming in that Iowa caucus. You know, I think he has a stronger ground game. Certainly, has a stronger ground game than New Hampshire. Or and a lot of, and, a, and, and not that endorsements matter, but some really key endorsements in Iowa. Yeah, and it's, it's I mean, it's a smart play to me for him. Um, I mean, I, I, this is also. You know, you always have to take a step back in these conversations and realize we're talking about a race for second. I mean, we're really talking about, like, a VP race at the moment. I mean, Donald Trump has remained very steady in the polls, I think. What? I mean, like, they say Nikki Haley's closing in on him in New Hampshire, and she's still down 25, 30 points against Trump, who hasn't budged an inch, making, you know, silly gaffes about, you know, not, not, not 
slavery was the cause of the Civil War, and then New Hampshire, where, you know, where folks are really taking pride in the first of the nation, you know, they're going to ask those tough questions, and if Haley's trying to appeal to, like, that moderate, squishy middle to pull some votes to try and get closer to Trump, things like that aren't going to help her case. So, um, you know, I think DeSantis is still holding steady in a second place, but no, one, no one's going to touch Trump. And then I'm glad to see Democrats in the state pushing a right-in effort um, and making sure they're holistic in that approach, making sure that since this is a write-in campaign, that means that all these votes will have to be hand-counted at the end of the night, um, which means our local election Don't worry, there's only going to be about, there's only about 25 or 50 to count. Yeah, it should be. We'll just, we'll just send you down, Jack. You can, just rip, you can, you can, you can save us all at some time and you can just rip through them. We'll do those little, like, uh, little finger caps and you can just you know, slide your fingers through <laughs> it's like pulling scratch tickets at the Elks. Hey, let's, uh, I want to come back, though, to the what-ifs. Not Iowa, New Hampshire, Lucas Meyer, and he'll tell you how you can contact him, one of our regulars, and I hope he's joining us on the 23rd for some of our analysis from St. Anselm College. He's always welcome. Lucas, 19 days to go. Here's a hypothesis, politically speaking, for you. Democrats are not that excited about Joe Biden not being on the ballot here. Sorry, they just, I don't think they are. Um and independents typically don't vote in primaries. They're not the real activists. They vote in the general election. They show up in big numbers in the general election. But it's sort of a Republican primary, a lot of attention on the Nikki Haley, Chris Sununu endorsing. Is there momentum of the polls tightening? Donald Trump. You still have Chris Christie and DeSantis, Ramaswamy. More of a Republican show, I think you'd agree. Mm-hmm. So the question yeah. is, do independents take part in that Republican primary and make it more of a sort of a photo finish for Trump and Haley or not? I think you probably get a little more of an indication from the polling. I mean, you even had the Haley poll that had her closing in on Trump context, like 20 points margin. Uh, they were polling Democrats in that poll. And, you know, she was able to pull a lot of support from Democrats. But like all this to say, I don't think the polling is showing that. And I, again, this is where Iowa plays a role in deciding, you know, uh, you know, I think Haley was saying yesterday that, you know, Iowa's first and then New Hampshire corrects it or something. But I think she's, she's expecting not to perform well in Iowa, but you know, that week in between, there's going to be a lot of news and then it comes down to ground game and have you built the operation. And I still believe in some of these machine politics elements of what's your ground game. Like Haley has taken a much more, airtime, so she's spending a lot of money on ads on television. I don't think she has much of a ground game here in the state. I can't, I have not seen any evidence of a ground game in the state. Meanwhile, DeSantis has operatives working for, you know, DeSantis by virtue of his super PAC never back down, which is like a fascinating exploration in campaign finance law. Um, there are people, there are staff, there's infrastructure, there's data that they can tap into if there's momentum coming out of Iowa to take advantage of that. Haley is expecting not to perform, you know, an overperformance for her in Iowa second place. If she does that, does she have the juice and the machine built to capitalize on that? You know, only a very few amount of people know the answer to that question. Yeah. But I think that will be that that will be interesting. And then I think on the Democratic side, I think President Biden will recruit quite easily, and hopefully a very uneventful night um, for the president and the state. And Democrats can show why we deserve the first in the nation. All right. So January 
is, you know, really presidential primary month. Some of the stories that, you know, didn't make as much news. New mayor in Manchester takes over. Joyce Craig moves on. She's running for governor as a Democrat. Jay Rue becomes Manchester mayor, state's largest city as a Republican. But then we're right into the governor's race, I think, this early spring. Uh, you got Kelly Ayotte, Chuck Morris on the Republican side, to name a few. Joyce Craig, Cindy Warmington on the Democrat side, to name a few. So a wide open corner office, Lucas. It's sort of behind the scenes right now. Fundraising, events, but really uh, the attention is more national here. So my question to you, Lucas, is what's going on in the governor's? Well, I mean, this is, you know, I keep saying, and it's true, this is going to be the marquee matchup of governor's races in the country. Um, A lot of national attention will come into the state. You know, again, the national politics will play into it. This is the first time the Republican Party is failing out into waters without the excess Sununu behind them. Um, I think down-ballot Republicans and even up-ballot Republicans are poised for an awakening for the the coattails that he may or may not have had. I mean, I think depending on the cycle, that cut both ways. But he was the de facto leader of the party. Uh, right. I think that is going to be an inter-party dynamic that is going to be fascinating to watch. And where does the leadership and the party originate from. You know, you're talking about Mayor Rue in Manchester. You know, was the, the 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 deciding vote the other day to name Joe Kelly Lavaster as chair of the board of aldermen, who is like, and this isn't controversial. Like the union leader has read enough about Joe Kelly Lavaster here that he is not stable leadership for the city. He's pretty radical. Um, but this is the tension within the Republican Party between this far right element. Um, and the remnants of the Sununu establishment of sort of the moderate folks, like Chuck Morse used to sort of be in there, but now he's out because now he's gone far to the right to try and court Trump. You know, he endorsed Trump the other week. Yep. Um, so is it Kelly Ayotte? How does she manage those politics in a primary with Chuck Morse without alienating the rest of her base? You know, the Democratic primary is going to be highly contested. I have every expectation that, that debate will be vigorous. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not going to create the divide, and there isn't as much space between the two candidates as there is in the Republican Party. Um, and I think Democrats are really motivated to get that firewall back in the corner office, um, which we enjoyed and, you know, the state benefited from, Real- from Governor Lynch to Governor Shaheen to Governor Hassan. Real quickly, one of the things you touch upon is with, you're talking about Chris Sununu moving on, but he's playing hard and heavy endorsing Nikki Haley, doing the ads. He's out there going to Iowa to campaign for Haley in the caucus process. One thing that may determine what happens on January uh, 23rd, the primary and the Republican primary between Donald Trump and presumably if Haley's the second place surging candidate, if it is close or there's an upset or it's just close, period, it may be a sign that Sununu is playing a key role in the primary, and the Republican Party is still a party of Sununu here versus a party of Trump. Conversely, Sununu's investing a lot and pushing Nikki Haley. If Trump wins by 15 or 18 points, I think you'd say that New Hampshire's Republican Party in the primary is still a Trump party, not a Sununu party in New Hampshire. Yeah, I mean, that that is certainly a take that I don't think would be um, inaccurate. I mean, it kind of, Governor Sununu is kind of giving me second semester senior and college vibes with so, so far his priorities uh, in his last year as governor. You know, I don't necessarily love our governor going out and campaigning across the country when there's plenty of things um, in the state that he could and should be focused on. Um, I mean, his record of endorsements have been 
for, you know, probably net negative in the state. Yeah. And there's been polling that has shown that his endorsement does not persuade right. voters. I think this is a project for Governor Sununu's career after public office and what role he plays either as a pundit or what boards or what part of the apparatus can he plug into. So, you know, he's a former fellow governor who, right. you know, he likes and that's what he's doing. We have to run. Luke Smyre, best way to people con- for people to contact you? CatalystAdvocacy.com or uh, Lucas S. Meyer on Twitter. All right. Thanks, Lucas. Thanks. We'll catch you soon.